very specific. It wasn't like I kind of thought about batteries, batteries and I was like, oh, I really need to get into the battery industry. It was more that when I came across Northvolt as a company, just in terms of I feel like this is a place where I could work hard, like in the day to day and feel like I'm doing it for, for some kind of reason, you know. Welcome to Challenge Accepted. I am your host, Anna Lee, and this is our employee-focused podcast. Today is our first episode, and I am joined by Merlin Potter Adams. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this episode. We talk about his journey from England to Sweden during the pandemic, his journey as a student to then becoming a chemist at Norfolk. He works within cathode active material, which is the base chemistry for our battery cells. That's it from me, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, Merlin. Thank you. Thank you for coming into the studio this morning. I really appreciate you taking the time to record this podcast. Happy to. Yeah. How do you feel about it? Uh, good. It's exciting that it's the first one to be involved in the pilot and everything. So it'll be interesting to see how everything turns out. Yeah. Do you feel honored that you're the Absolutely. first one? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> first one by the mic. Um, Was it just a coincidence that uh, you bumped into me by the recycling? Exactly. <laughs> and then I just thought, Oh, wow. Merlin would be the perfect fit for the first podcast. That would be great. Thank you very much. Let's see. So I basically want to start off with you just introducing yourself and what you do here at the company. Sure. So I've been in Northwalk now for about three and a half years, joined in May 2020, just as the pandemic was getting into full swing. So that was interesting, kind of escaped London just before that went into lockdown and then came to Sweden, which didn't really have any lockdown and then was working full time. So for me, the pandemic was kind of not, I didn't experience it in the same way that most other people did and joined as a quality control technician. So in that role, I was kind of involved in running different tests for all different types of battery components coming from all over the factory to check that they are meeting our kind of strict quality standards. So that could be kind of um, using a microscope to check if there's any defects or measuring something or doing some chemical test or whatever it was. So it was quite diverse and it was a really good introduction to Northwell, I think, to kind of get an overall picture of how the company is working and the products that we're making. And then after about five months of that, I started in my current role, which is in the cathode research and development team. So here we are working on basically black powder, which looks like... Um, very unhealthy, and it is. Um, you wouldn't want to breathe this it's stuff scary. in. It's scary. Yeah. In general, it's best to wear the full PPE like we do in the lab. So when we're working with the material, we kind of sometimes look a little bit like astronauts. We have this kind of white plastic Tyvek suit on and a full kind of fresh air mask. And I mean, that is because it is hazardous stuff. So you need to take the kind of correct precautions in our lab when you're handling it. But yeah, so um, we're kind of doing research on this material and trying to develop the next generation recipes that are going to go into Northvolt cells maybe kind of five, 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. So Northvolt is split into these two halves, as, as you know, um, upstream and downstream. Downstream being where we kind of assemble all of the cells and upstream being where we make the, the cathode that is going into these cells. And so upstream is therefore my focus. And in Shilefto, where we have our big factory or our first one, and they do this on a kind of unimaginably huge scale in kind of the biggest room I've ever been in, mm -hmm. in my life, the biggest building I've probably ever seen. And in our, in our lab, it's a very much, very much a baby version of that. So yeah. while they deal in like, you know, thousands of tons, we de deal in kind of like half a kilogram or whatever. Well, maybe we should explain that where you work is at Norfolk Labs in Vesteros, which is our R&D center. 
so that people understand that like that is where we do all of the experiments that is where we do all of the research and development of the batteries and the materials and then it's sent up to our large factory and that's why you just said <laughs> upstream up there is on an unimaginable large scale like it is just huge so yeah. just like so people understand that there is the difference between our big factory up north and then the R&D center in Vesteros. Yeah, exactly. Good point. So the Vesteros has grown quite a lot since I've been there. And it was always intended as this kind of R&D center of Northvolt. And then obviously we have the head office in Stockholm and our first big factory up in up in the north. Um, so m most or almost all of the R&D activities within Northvolt is happening in Vesteros, not only for upstream, but also for downstream. And then, yeah, so that's kind of the main role of me and the team that I'm working in is to develop these next generation recipes and also to support production with kind of troubleshooting investigations. Mm -hmm. And then also if there's other teams that can um, that need to kind of find something out about cathode, for example, Revolt, who's doing the recycling side of it, they might supply raw materials to us. And then we would push those raw materials through the process and figure out, okay, have they managed to make a good quality recycled product mm -hmm. that can actually be used in our process oh of course yes that's also a factor going into that but i know that like the revolt team has been working very hard on that and it must be really nice and i've realized that when i'm at labs having the team so close to each other because then you can talk about those things and be able to sort of work together on creating the best recipe for both yeah definitely and it was super interesting to kind of it was quite early on that we started working with revolt and they're they're taking these these cells and essentially smashing them up and then taking that and dipping it in acid and dissolving all of the valuable stuff and then they give us the valuable stuff in raw form and we produce the cathode with that mm -hmm. and it's really interesting early on to already see how Northvolt is closing the loop on on battery manufacturing yeah that's a whole whole other podcast yeah. talking about recycling <laughs> definitely but i would like to go into just sort of why why norfolk i do know that you have a pretty funny interesting story on how you applied to norfolk but i don't know if you want to share that in this podcast <laughs> you don't um, you don't have to you don't have to sing it <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so I, th I found Northvolt quite early, actually, or it was my wife who found Northvolt when I was looking at jobs to apply to in Sweden uh, back in October 2019. I think they had only just started putting up the first steels in Skellefteå for the factory. So it was super early on. And I had already then found a position that I kind of ended up w working in permanently, the, the R&D position, and, but was still finishing my master's. So I had that on the radar. And... Then when the pandemic kind of started kicking off around February, March 2020, was thinking about summer options and internships and whatever. And because of how everything transpired, eventually flew to Sweden, not knowing I was moving to Sweden at that point, but having had moved to Sweden and was looking at, okay, so what should I do now that I'm here and I'm finishing my master's and decided to apply for an internship with Northvolt that summer. And one of the internships I applied to was in quality control. And I think it's always hard to try and make your application stand out. I know that, you know, it's hard to get an understanding of people's character and everything just going through endless CVs. So I decided one way to try and make it stand out would to be putting like a kind of, um, I don't know if poem is the right word or rap or some, some terrible combination in between on the kind of headline of the application. Mm -hmm. I won't be reciting it now because I don't know it off by heart. <laughs> It'd be a bit strange if I did, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of like... Um... But I have heard it. 
and yes. it was fantastic <laughs> and i was so impressed and i wanted to share it with the company like i wanted to have it like in a interview or something and then Merlin was just, he, no, he thought it was too embarrassing. He was like, this is, no, it's too much. But I think it was super inspiring. Maybe we can dig it out as an appendix. Yeah, later. exactly. It was very, very creative. I actually forgot to ask the the manager who hired me if they even noticed it or saw it. So I don't yeah, know if it even that. if it made an impact or not. But Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's, that's kind of, and obviously why Northvolt, aside from the fact it's a company in Sweden, which many other companies in Sweden exist, it had a mission that really kind of resonated with me mm-hmm. oh we have this this situation where we're going to need loads of batteries in the future okay that started to become obvious to everyone but then let's actually do that in an environmentally responsible way so not only are we trying to electrify industries but we're going to make a product in the best way that we can yeah with the kind of minimal environmental impact and i thought that was a really kind of important thing to be a part of i remember that being a core part of your poem even though i don't <laughs> I don't remember it word by word, of course. You know, I, I kind of want to move on to, because I know when we when we came uh, to the lab and we were interviewing you, you were talking about how your education was so relevant to what you were doing in the lab. I wonder if there's sort of like a, a common myth about your educational background and even what you're doing now at Norfolk that you think that people should sort of know about. Yeah, really good question. I think the first thing that comes to mind is more about the type of people that work in science and engineering so there is obviously the stereotype that kind of scientists and engineers are very awkward and in like not very good with people and don't really have a social life and don't know how to interact with others and everything but I can't speak for myself but most of the engineers and scientists that are in Northvolt and in general in industry are relatively normal people okay they might be you know have some quirks Mm. but it's not this person in a lab coat with glasses or not always who can't talk to people or have a like you know also a fun social life for example oh I've (laughs) I've met some incredibly social scientists and engineers at this company it truly that that myth and that sort of stereotype was completely just gone after that. Like, it's just incredible. I mean, but it's also just a personality type. There are definitely people who work in other parts of this company that have nothing to do with that. That could also be sort of shy or, you know, maybe yeah. not super social. Mm. But I guess, yes, the common stereotype is that engineers or scientists are more, like, reserved. But that is not the case here. Yeah. But we have a lot of big personalities in our team and ex- in R&D in general. Exactly. So many big personalities in general at this company. Mm. I think it's fantastic. You know, I was thinking about this, given that you came from a chemistry background. What sort of inspired you to work in this specific industry? Because there are other industries that require chemistry and require certain uh, knowledge of being able to work with uh, different materials. Yeah. So what inspired you to join this specific industry? Yeah, so on that point, my kind of background is a master's in material science with nuclear engineering so there were different avenues I guess I guess I could have gone down in the nuclear industry so that could have been for example even in Westeros next to Northvolt Labs is Westinghouse which develops nuclear fuel and there's a couple of other engineering companies in Sweden that do nuclear activities but I think it was just when I saw Northvolt's mission very specific it wasn't like a kind of thought about batteries batteries and I was like oh I really need to get into the battery industry it was more that when I came across Northvolt as a company and their vision as a whole to be 
such a key player in the transition and do it in such an environmentally responsible way that I thought, okay, this is not only going to be really interesting in terms of the fact that it matches my background to some extent with the materials engineering side and the chemistry and everything, but also just in terms of, I feel like this is a place where I could work hard, like in the day to day and feel like I'm doing it for for some kind of reason, you know, like, like a purpose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think a lot of people search for that purpose in their work life and I think one of the things that I hear from people here in Norfolk and also just recruiting wise and people who have sort of a an idea of what this industry is I think a lot of them would need to hear or get some sort of advice of like how do you get into an industry like this without feeling so daunted about the fact that it's oh it's batteries or I don't know anything about batteries what kind of advice would you give someone who's like in the same situation you were in before you started Norfolk or any other person who wants to get into this industry mm. well a good a good anecdote on that topic is um, as part of my education my kind of materials engineering masters one of the the courses that we did was kind of materials for energy storage or energy and some of that was like hydrogen fuel cells for example and one of the courses was lithium-ion batteries and I think we had like five or six courses in total and when it came to exam time you could pick I think four out of six questions on the exam paper so there's a lot of tactical studying going on and I kind of looked at the list of topics and how complicated each one was and I thought okay if I'm going to try and do the best on this exam um, I'm going to save the most time if I skip the lithium-ion battery part don't study that at all and just go for the other stuff and ended up doing okay on the on the exam but totally ignored all of the battery stuff which is quite hilarious that now the field that I'm working in is like one of the few courses that I totally ignored during my <laughs> studies so I would say don't be daunted if you don't have a background in specifically batteries, because not a lot of people in Europe do, since it's such a new industry here. But if you feel like it's a field that could be interesting for you and appeals to you and the mission appeals to you, then it's always a matter of what kind of transferable skills can you bring and what kind of problem solving mindset do you bring? And those are, I think, almost more important in the general day to day. Of course, we need specific expertise in certain areas, which luckily Northvolt has been able to find. But definitely it shouldn't put people off if you don't know anything about batteries because I knew almost nothing when I joined mm -hmm. and have been finding it great up until now. Yeah, I mean, if anything, I've heard a lot of inspiring stories at the company where it's basically, I knew nothing about this industry before I came in and I just learned so much from my colleagues. It's it's also just like a, a learning curve. Just like you said, in, in Europe in general, there's not a lot of people who have the knowledge of the battery industry. Mm. So it's just we learn as we go yeah. for a lot of people who have not had that experience. And yeah. we have incredible colleagues that are willing to sit down and sort of like help you out or if there's something you're struggling with to help you out and, and teach you. Yeah, and exactly. I think that's like one of the best part of being part of a company that has that kind of culture where it's like, okay, we know that you don't really have all the knowledge, but we can help you out and we know that you have the potential. And I think that's fantastic. I think that's something that a lot of industries sort of miss out on. Yeah, totally. And that's, that definitely applies to our team where we had kind of experts from Japan or Korea and then a lot of junior people coming straight from from university courses in Europe. And then you have an opportunity to work with these experts and really learn so many new skills and so like really dive into a totally new topic. And I think it's quite rare that you get that in a workplace where mm -hmm. you're exposed to such a new kind of field, but yeah. at the same time have direct contact with people who really know it inside mm -hmm. out. Going back to the title of this podcast, Challenge Accepted, are there any challenges that 
you yourself or your team that you're facing right now that you feel like it's a lot, but you know that you'll make it through? Um, There are definitely challenges. (laughs) Of course, you have to remain optimistic. Mm -hmm. I think one of the hardest things in Northvolt are the ambitious deadlines. And I think that has been critical to our success so, so, so far, that we've been aggressive in terms of the timelines that we've pursued. And we've kind of been the first in Europe to to do what we're doing. But that comes with a lot of challenges in itself. So at the moment, we are trying to develop a new cathode chemistry for next generation cells. And we've been given very um, ambitious deadlines. And it really does... Just the Norfolk re- way. <laughs> exactly. It really requires like a cons- consistent high energy from almost everybody in the team. And, you know, you're working really hard all day but you keep up this team spirit and team mentality and you help each other out. And at the end of the day, you can't kind of just look at the final end target. Peter, the CEO, is always talking about, you know, you can't eat an elephant in one go. You have to cut it up into small pieces. And it is true, of course, to tackle any big engineering challenge. You need to break it down into all of the, the small details and tackle each each little part by itself. And that's definitely the way that we approach it because otherwise it's too daunting if you just look at it okay we need to achieve values xyz by you know this certain date one step at a time exactly yeah. yeah and trying to just take it as logically as possible and look at each small each small piece and figure out okay how do we optimize that tiny piece of the puzzle and how do we make that the best it can be and then eventually if you do that for all the small pieces hopefully when it's all fitted together you can kind of meet the targets mm-hmm. yeah I mean, sort of continuing on the Norfolk way, I was going to ask you what a typical day looks like, but we all know that there's no typical day at Norfolk. But (laughs) if you could just explain to the audience, I mean, how often are you in the lab? What's sort of the dynamic with your team when you guys are working? What does a day sort of look like? Yeah, so um, for most of the time I've been in the team, it was quite lab heavy. So probably maybe something like 65% in the lab, 35% in the office. And then a typical day would be kind of come in, do a little bit of admin for an hour. So that could be, you know, what do we need to buy for the lab? What equipment are we looking to purchase? What consumables are we running low on that we need to make sure we have? What emails do I need to answer? What messages, what meetings have I got today? That kind of thing. And then also look at the the schedule of experiments that we're running and figure out, okay, when do certain people need to be in the lab? When do I need to be in the lab to do different bits of practical work? So typically it would be kind of up in the lab for a couple of hours, probably in the morning handling material that's coming out of our ovens and then in the afternoon it would be some other parts of the process so it might be that you know oh we need to take this material that we baked in the oven and crush it into small pieces and then we need to process it in the next step whatever it is so quite hands-on in the lab but in between punctuated with with the odd meeting kind of supporting production what problems do they have and involved with various different other things in Northvolt, for example, Northvolt has this really cool greenhouse program where we are trying to develop educational material for people coming in with a master's education but don't have battery experience or battery knowledge. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what we were talking about. Yeah, exactly. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I I know that the when we were in the lab with you guys, I think the, the best part was when you started talking about baking. Because uh, for me, baking has always just been something that's edible. And then you come out with this pretty toxic material. And I just sort of terrified. Yeah, I mean, I think that one thing that you brought up that I would like to sort of 
bring up again, and I think it has to do with like having a purpose. Is there any time where you felt at work where you sort of felt like a, a hero or something that you did gave something to the company or that there was sort of like you could then root yourself in the purpose of like Norfolk and the mission? Ooh, tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, hero, I don't know. Um, definitely there's been several times where I've felt a sense of pride in what I've managed to do. If I take the example that comes to mind, first of all, when I was working in quality control in the first few months I was in Norfolk, in order to check that the material we make in upstream, the cathode material, is any good, the first thing that we do is take the powder and put it into the tiny coin cells. So these are like the same type of cells you can buy in the supermarket that, you know, just like a, look like a coin, like a silver coin. Like a watch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. So we, that's the first step of validation of the material to put material into one of these tiny cells. So it was quite a routine task. It was like um, for several weeks in the, in the lab, in the dry room, uh, which is a place where you have like zero, almost zero moisture. So you don't damage any of the, the chemicals and the components in the battery. So in there, kind of mixing all the ingredients together and then coating them onto foils and stuff and punching out circles of this material and then assembling that into cells. Then when you've made these cells, you put them in a in a machine called a cycler, which is where you you run a test, you charge the, the cell, you discharge it several times, and then you get results and you can see, okay, how did the material that we put inside perform this time? And we can't really affect the quality of the material that we were receiving because we were in quality control. Our job was to measure it. But one thing that I was really kind of pleased with at that point was that I had managed to make consistent coin cells with a very low standard deviation. I sound like a nerd now, but uh, low standard deviation means that the result from all of the, so for example, we would make five cells with the same type of material Mm -hmm. and the result for a low standard deviation, the result is very similar between all of those cells. Mm. So let's say that the target is 100, just choosing a random number. And if I was doing a bad job, one cell would be 120, one would be 80, one would be 70, one would be 130. And a really good job would be like, you know, 101, 99, 100, 99, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's basically that all of the results are very close together. Mm. Uh, That gives you a low standard deviation. And that means that you've been very consistent in your procedure Mm -hmm. in making the cells and that you're kind of delivering high quality data to the team that needs it. So they can trust the results. And I think it was like a moment of, oh, we got a super low standard uh, standard deviation. It's like, oh, nice. The the effort I've been taking to really carefully measure these things and really carefully place the components together is kind of paying off. And that was a nice, nice moment. That was like, okay, good. Then I'm, on the back. I'm, I'm maybe making a tiny, tiny difference to this giant puzzle. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. I tried to understand that part which I feel like is sort of a dummy not understanding what the low deviation is but to round this episode off I would like to ask you to share a personal anecdote or a story and I know that we talked about this when we were prepping for this episode and I would love to hear the story now sure so I wanted to kind of keep it somewhat relevant to what we've been talking about so the first thing that came to mind was a science teacher I had back in high school and you've got to admire teachers because they have a hard task trying to keep kids interested in sometimes very boring topics but we had a great science teacher that was very enthusiastic and outgoing and tried to do a lot of practical experiments to keep us interested so to name a few he would like fill his hands with flammable liquid that had different metals in it so it would set it on fire and be different color flames kind of coming out of his hands and stuff and he would take 
alkali metals, which are kind of group one, including lithium, which are really reactive metals. So if you put them in water, they kind of uh, like set on fire and if you have enough of it, explode. So you would take us out into the school playground and take a steal a chunk of these kind of metals from the supply cupboard, throw it in a bucket of water and just have a giant explosion go off in front of the class. It was just a way to kind of keep stuff exciting. But one of the one of the things that really sticks in my mind was when we were about, I think, 16 or 17 years old, and we were doing a kind of a lab practical session that also counted as an exam in a way. And we had to follow a set of instructions to use different chemicals, react them together to make aspirin. And aspirin, obviously the painkiller, and in oh, the wow. form that we were making was like, should be a white powder. And it would be, it was about, I think we were working in groups of two and there's about 15 pairs of us. And he was walking around the class as all of the experiments were coming to the end and looking at the different quality of products. And at some point he was kind of shaking his head at different shoes. Oh, that's a brown granules. That looks terrible. Oh, a bit pink there, kind of walking past and judging everyone's aspirin. At some point he came across quite a good looking batch. He was like, oh, that looks like really good pure white powder and stuck his finger in the powder and just licked it and was like, yeah, that's, that's good aspirin. And I was just like, Oh my God, how crazy do you have to be? Or how much trust do you have to have to try some random aspirin that some 16-year-old kids have cooked up in a school lab? Yeah. So I just really admired his like enthusiasm and bravery in doing that. Um, oh, yeah. wow. That was a, I've had a lot of great science teachers mm-hmm. um, at school and I think that's pr- probably helped guide me towards the path that I'm on. But this, um, this guy, yeah, really... <laughs> He, he embodied story. bold, I would say. Very bold, like you said, to dare to then just like take a taste of whatever you made. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have risked it. No, thank you. Well, okay. Thank you so much, Merlin, for coming in and doing this. Thanks for having me. Um, and if you're interested in what Merlin does and what cathode active material is, please go listen to our In the Loop episode about cathode active material. Thank you for listening and hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Thank you.